Hi everyone, welcome to um, another episode of the Teacher's Point of View. The Teacher's Point of View podcast is designed to um, collaborate with those in the profession, some of the best educators that um, are in the profession, talking about education, what we can do to really help it evolve and actually challenge the status quo on what we can do. Um, I genuinely believe that we are letting a lot of children down every single year, but on top of that, the high stakes accountability lets teachers and those in the profession down too. So what really would be a fantastic idea is to kind of work together and actually globalize education so we can take nuggets from what everyone is doing and work together to move education forward and give more children opportunities in life to succeed um really proud to be sponsored by um teacher Roo, who are very much aligned to that mission they want to globalize education so um, and have one app basically where teachers can go on from around the world, share ideas, resources, and support each other, a supportive community for education. Um, please do check out the app. I think it's gonna be phenomenal. It's, it's very much an infancy stage, but it's gonna be phenomenal. And please, please check out the, 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 the app and obviously join the Teacher's Point of View um, group. But I hope you guys enjoy and see you on the next episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Teacher's Point of View. Uh, I'm really excited to have Rabia on today. She's a special needs teacher and she's kind of gone through her experiences and emotions obviously during the year of COVID, but just in her career in teaching as a whole because I think there's kind of been a lot of stress on teachers in the last few years and um, ultimately this, this this podcast is a platform for you to share where what's, what's been happening in your world and, and, and to try and find the way that we can kind of move education forward in the right way. I mean, like, can you just kind of introduce yourself and... Uh, kind of your, talk about your journey in teaching so far. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm Rabia and my teaching journey is quite different. I became a teacher at 30, so that was the gift I gave myself that year. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I had a, a I had access to a good education, but I always considered myself an average student. I'd have to work that extra bit hard to even get the average grades. Um, and I was kind of lost after university. It's like you you end up with these degrees and you're like, where do you go? Um, I, um, I trained as a secondary science teacher, so that's my specialism. But I always had a passion for uh, teaching special needs and supporting those more vulnerable. Um, and if you'd asked me back at school, oh, would you like to be a teacher? I think I would most probably have said no. I, I had fantastic support from um, the adults who were there. But uh, I, I just I did struggle a lot. I think it's one of those things you um, studying in an area which was predominantly white, but it, again, it was yeah. private education and um, it, was, it was still diverse. My year was diverse. My sister didn't get as lucky and people were quite understanding and acknowledging all these all things. But it just I always felt I was overcompensating. But moving forward it was a case of like I had a passion for science I wanted to make a difference and I needed to be challenged uh, I knew definitely I needed something that would challenge me every day uh, and a few friends kept saying to me listen you should really consider teaching you should really consider teaching um so the story story is uh, I went into teaching uh, and haven't regretted it a day since really um I spent the first few years working as a, a science teacher in secondary mainstreams um, I completed my master's in education as well and looked really focused on the attainment gap between boys and girls and what we can be doing to support them better. 
Um, and then I moved into special needs a few years ago. I was science lead for an alternate provision briefly for a year um, and then moved across to what has been um, a various roles in the last two years. I feel like a primary school teacher at the moment because I teach everything, but I love it. I really enjoy it. Fantastic. I mean, obviously, you, you, I know you kind of, when you first got into teaching, you kind of mentioned it before, but it, you had quite a bit of anxiety and it was quite difficult at the beginning, wasn't it? I mean, wh why do you think you kind of went through those emotions? So um, the way it panned out, really, I mean, it's amazing to see in the last seven years how things have. I'm, I'm, I definitely would say that I'm a different person to what I was when I first started teaching. But I'm confident enough to say that um, for the better, for my students, I, I don't, I can't, I haven't had any feedback on the detriments or any changes over there or anything like that. But uh, when I first went in, um, I was uh, one of 15 NQTs. We were around that. We were a large cohort going in. Um, and that support bubble actually was fantastic because there were so many new and we were all new and we you know, really supported each other together. Um, but what I found myself by at the end of my NQT year, I found by my RQT year, I was doing 80 hours a week at one point. And I wow. remember, yeah, <laughs> I remember saying that to my doctor and the mouth kind of just like jaw dropped, like, really? Um, and uh, because I think one thing you haven't eaten like I've said to you is that we are so it's a village you know it takes a village everyone is supporting everybody mm. so you if you know someone ill you know someone's unwell you want to support them the best you can and I think it's really that work-life balance um even to this day I can understand as you go up towards leadership and everything it the workload doesn't stop you know we, we are still going to be teaching we still have to get the kids through the exams um but it's unfortunately one thing I've noticed is that, and it's like you've mentioned yourself, teacher turnaround is so high at the moment. I mean, each year, certain school, you know, in some schools, you see up to 30 staff members leave. And that's then it's almost like you've got to restart every year. And you've got to get to know your students, got to know your classes, which is the most important thing, the most important thing. And then these students are also spending so much time getting to know you as well. So it's all these challenges. But I think one of the things coming from, uh, I suppose, South Asian culture, maybe as well, there was a whole thing of like, there's that taboo of mental health, isn't it? Like you can talk about it to an extent, but then it's, you don't talk about it as much. And I really uh, was suffering from very bad panic attacks, um, anxiety, and I just couldn't understand it. I had a fabulous group of friends around me, you know, supporting me. And it was almost made you feel like, oh, why is this happening? But when you look back and you reflect, and I think, when was I sleeping? <laughs> when was I eating? And, you know, what was happening? And it's, this is, this is in so many areas. We talk about the NHS. We talk about everyone and anyone, the shopkeepers, everybody who's working around. You know, these are tense, stressful times. And what do we do? What's the outlook? What's our balance in life? Mm. So a couple of years ago, I sought help for it. And, oh, I've never turned back because I... I think, how would I have got through this pandemic right now if I hadn't learned those strategies and ways to do things? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think the main like core strategies that you learned to help you get through that? Because ultimately, that is so important. I mean, you've got people like Sarah Bramall and you've got Rebecca Daniels, who, um, and, and I suspect this lady in America, because she, she feels the same. I mean, she's kind of um, started this whole new uh, 
company called Happy Teacher Revolution, which is focusing on teacher well-being and, and, and mental health because there is so much pressure put on teachers, isn't there? Especially like in the first five years, statistics show within five years, a lot of teachers tend to leave the profession from training. I mean, what do you think were the, the core strategies that you learned to, to kind of help you get, get past that? I mean, I think, so some of the core strategies, one of the things I did is I deleted the email app off the Outlook app off my phone, uh, cut off after nine o'clock, I'm not checking anything. One of the, I think the biggest struggles that all educators, everyone at the moment has, um, is that you can't stay on site to do your planning and everything that you'd like to after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I try to get that divide of, I'm going to do what I can at work, eat, whether it's going in early or finishing later so that you can come home and you can really separate from it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the thing your mind doesn't shut down so I tried loads of strategies of writing things down as well um getting it onto paper helps so much um and I mean I I I went down the medicine route because to be fair by that point I had been told that it my anxiety it was just that bad so they suggested this is the route we'll take it and I've just learned to if I'm running late I'll be like I'm sorry said too early TJ five minutes please (laughs) <laughs> you know learn to acknowledge it and learn to collaborate communicate all of those things COVID-19 has just really highlighted like I said to you the issues which are entrenched in our educational system and it's the whole inequality of funding the lack of support for the um, emotional well-being not only for us it's for students as well the digital inequalities that we're talking about right now and as educators you you, you really, whatever you do, you have a passion for your field. You're doing something that you love and you really want to, you know, reach out to the audiences and everything. So for us, sat at home, we are concerned about our students. We are worried about, are they okay? Because the news in the last two weeks, the way it's come out and we haven't had any contact with homes and families really to reassure them that don't worry about this because we are learning through the news as well ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, the, the, I'm, I was speaking to a head teacher yesterday. Um, she's an executive head teacher in East London, and um, well, in London actually, she, she kind of runs eight schools. And she, we we're talking about a potential science NQT for next year, and she's like, "TJ, you have to stop. I've just had the announcement. I have to, I have to organise eight <laughs> schools." And it's like, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about four days before you're meant to return to school, and you're, you're getting told that it's all delayed, and you've got to go online, and it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's so much pressure on on, on teachers and. School leaders I think I mean there's that aspect that, and that's the other balance that I've done as well in terms of my planning I knew I mean my, my experience of COVID and teaching have been very different because I actually found out when we were in uh, about April and we came back after Easter I found out that my one-year contract was not going to be extended at where I was working at the time so there was a mass panic of oh my gosh I need to get the job because at the end of the day ultimately <laughs> yeah it was I think that definitely ironically helped my mental health as well because if I'm doing something and I'm busy and I know that I'm making difference and supporting it, it really just gives you that routine and structure that you need mm. um so it was all this is going on and you don't know where your job's going to come and I, I I'm very fortunate to where I've ended up with I have an absolutely fantastic if not I must mention the world's best line manager I challenge anyone to find a better line manager than who I have at the moment. She's absolutely fantastic, honestly. And that the fact that the way this is happening, the pandemic and everything, I think we've got a good team and structure that everyone's working together, trying to keep us, as soon as information comes out, let us know this mm. is happening, that's happening. 
but it's all about quite frankly right now well-being for the students it's all about well-being because as I said to you um we work so hard to do the recovery curriculum get the students back into routines especially with um special needs as heightened anxiety routines students like to do things in a certain way and we felt by the end of Christmas uh, around Christmas time it was was great end of winter term everyone felt like right things are going on but you know we have got to a new normal and then this kind of this information to come out over the holidays I appreciate you have to assess things as they're going on yeah but when you are a few days before going back I, I think see you know though as a special needs teacher that we will remain open it's those headlines that don't get shared the key worker kids, the, the vulnerables, that's the ones that are not shared and then it gives mass panic to everybody. Of course. I mean, like, what, what kind of responsibility does that put on you as an SEN teacher? Um, so first and foremost for me is, that again, welfare. For my students, for my colleagues who are working with me, supporting me. Um, again, we talk about who falls into the highly vulnerable categories and things like this. Uh, mm. And then the parents and things as well. So... I'm confident enough that as educators, we'll be able to deliver the work and, you know, keep them focused. We have a semi-formal curriculum, so I'm confident that I can, you know, carry on with that. But right now it's reassuring our students that, you know, we are going, well, it's really reassuring everyone that, look, we will be okay. And it's a very difficult thing. Keep saying to everyone, you'll be all right. You know, you try your best. Um, we're fortunate that, you know, I'm fortunate I haven't had COVID. My family hasn't had COVID. Uh, there's three of us who've been more or less, my, my father's on the front line and, you know, things like that. So you do worry. Um, I think it's about what will help now is trying to get these vaccinations rolled out. That's what we need now. We need to have the vaccinations to try and get some sort of normality back. Um, I keep the classroom as COVID talk free as possible. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't exist and we will address conversations. But uh, if you are talking about something all the time, it's not helpful. It's boring. I'm so bored of COVID. It's ridiculous. I'm so <laughs> sick of hearing it everywhere. I mean, it's nightmare. I mean, even like when I was looking on social media today, it, for anyone that's listening, I mean, this is going to be later than we had this conversation. So it's the 31st of December. And all I can see on, on the New Year's Eve, like on, on social media is, oh, forget 2020. Like what a rubbish year. Can't wait for 2021. Well, actually, if like COVID's over, I mean, it's not. I mean, we, we've still got a little period to go, you know, and, and well, hopefully only a little period. I mean, Jesus Christ, with this new variation who knows if the vaccines are going to work and if, what's going to be the repercussions of this but ultimately like it's not done and dusted yet and i'm absolutely sick of covid but ultimately what it has done like you said a little bit earlier it's highlighted the, the current issues more than ever you know and i think it's gonna it's, it would have taken covid to kind of make give give education a push to kind of move in the direction it needs to move to and i think there are there are issues that you've spoken about that we need to be addressed like teacher well-being student well-being um just the, the direction of education in terms of preparing our kids you talk about kind of going into teaching and feeling anxiety and and, and kind of uh, mental health but this is things that these are things that we're not embedding into our curriculum you know and it's something that needs to be embedded into the curriculum i mean if you're having anxiety and mental health issues like go as a teacher i mean the the the, the kids like they absorb your energy you know like i mean how are we preparing these kids 
So I think what I've been quite fortunate in wherever I've been working is that there has been a whole school emphasis on well-being, um, whether it's like with the mindful colouring. And that's, you know, honestly, I never thought I'd be someone who'd be into mindful colouring and it really makes a difference. <laughs> it really does help relax and it just promotes more conversation and things like that. So one thing with COVID that in this, in this notion is like it's giving us more time to actually sit down talk to each other, spend more time. Um, and that's one of the most important things in education. Um, if you don't spend the first five, 10, you know, if you don't spend that time getting to know your students, then how can they really build that relationship and rapport with you and trust you? Um, and really coming back to schools and the curriculum, we, there is a, as I always say, as educators, we're not here just to say, these are the worksheets, do this having GCSEs goodbye we need to prepare students for the real world yeah. so we're quite lucky very diverse curriculum I mean I am a scientist that's my that's what I qualified in terms of teaching but I've got I've put a huge emphasis on English and maths and numeracy and literature is something I'm teaching yeah. myself as well and learning myself and I've learned phonics this year which is brilliant <laughs> so you can finally do those and I try to incorporate things through STEM so STEM has really become a big world uh, a big thing in my classroom now and I think COVID, with COVID coming, it was a bit of a, hang on, how am I going to deliver my lessons? Because I'm such a hands-on visual learner. And I think, like I said to you again, because I struggled a lot at school, but I have bad teachers to support me. I, can, I feel I empathise and understand the way students want to learn. It's, it needs to be fun. It needs to be interactive as well. So the whole concept of STEM gets them thinking about things. Well, actually, you know, we've got ice outside you need to drive your car over that. What are you going to do? What can, kind of things can we try and do? And you're giving them the life skills at the same time and finding out what their strengths are. Yeah, amazing. I mean, the thing is, it's great that you're doing that, but there's only a select few people that, or select few schools that are actually doing that across the country. It needs to be embedded into the national curriculum, you know, because, I mean, you look at the FTSE 500 companies, I mean, there was research done, and I've said it a couple of times in the recent podcasts that I've done, but there's, there's, there's research done by the FTSE 500 companies that, they basically say that they have to completely retrain graduates when they come out of university because they are just not prepared for the real world. You know, like what, what do you think we kind of need to do to make sure as, as a nation or even globally, what do we need to do to prepare our kids for the 21st century that we're not doing? Well, you know, it's one of those things I always think at the age of about 12, 13, you've decided what you want to do for the rest of your life. We, we really are asking students at a very, very young age, choose your options, choose your subjects. I mean, back in school, you know, if anyone... Um, uh, if you'd said to my parents, oh yeah, she'll be able to write articles and essays, they were like, because I, I struggled with that a lot, but that's something that I developed later on. You, you are forever learning. That's the whole point. Yeah. And it's not a one-way education system where the kids are just learning from you. We learn so much from them as well. I knew nothing about Lego, Lego education and um, all these other characters that come into it. And the minute I realized and learned quite a few things, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I can get my students to engage through this way. Um, it's it's one of those things like I said it's the lack of funding and it's it's well we look at education education is uh, you know we have majority academies mm -hmm. Mr Gove decided to change things very quickly and then you won't be able to get through this without mentioning it <laughs> you know things um, change very quickly so schools are trying to look at their own areas they were to try and assess I've worked in mostly areas which um there's high, high social deprivation 
but they will look the best of, you know, what are the traits and the qualities we can give here. But again, I think it just comes down to lack of funding and lack of time. Um, what, the other thing that's such interesting conversation right now is everyone is doing the whole hands face space, but you've got 30 kids in the classroom. That's the argument. So how can people be spaced out? Well, this is the one thing that I've always said. There should not be more than 20 kids in a classroom because if you have a 50 minute class and you have 30 kids, how many minutes are you actually giving to that student? Yeah. How can you begin to prepare them for anything and everything? Yeah, it becomes okay. just, it just, it's just chalk and talk kind of things. So that in itself, you know, we are appreciating how much the NHS has been burdened. People are being sensible that using it a lot more effectively. Flu rates and that as a whole have been down as well because people are doing sensible things. Employers are actually understanding, well, we can't have people in if they're not well. You know, and that's something that's always been argued. We need to change as an evolving society. You know, there's only ever going to be more pandemics because we are increasing in numbers, you know, and we need to think of how can we do things. Uh, housing, look at the number of people who are maybe confined in areas. Is it any surprise where the numbers are high? Well, you have to look at what's available for people in those areas. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, like every area in the UK is so different, you know, I mean, and it's hard, isn't it? Because what we've got at the moment is a generalized knowledge based curriculum that we kind of focus on our centralized exams at the end of every year. But every kid is so different. They come from a different um, work sort of life. Like, I mean, different employment yeah. backgrounds, you know, and different like inner city London kids are very different to like the rural kids and have different things that are relatable to them and that will inspire them. So when we have a generalised curriculum that is kind of focused on like the nation as a whole, what I think we're doing is a massive injustice to to our students. And, 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 think- and the thing I'll add to you on that one as well, you know, the fact that they have to choose such a young age. If you look at, I mean, again, I'm not, that, I don't know the American systems that well, but there you kind of, you do your A-levels or whatever you call it, you, know, you, you kind of do uh, studying before, you do your pre-med before you go. And I've often thought that there's a lot of different things that we could add into our curriculums. For example, the incentives of driving. Okay, Driving is such an important skill so many students need. Uh, I mean, I didn't learn to drive till quite a late age because I ended up moving to London and I was like, oh, you don't really need it. But when is the time, you know, when you look at when you're in, if you choose to go on to A-levels and things like that, it's very packed. So it's almost using those things as a reward as well, because when they argue and say, oh, boys aren't as, you know, academic as girls and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's the case of, well, what have we tried strategies, you know, uh, to really entice them and support them as well? This needs to be part of the curriculum. And if anything, last year has shown us so very well, well, Kids have been out of education for a few months, but you know what? You'll still do your A-levels. You know, we'll still give you a grade and that's it. Move on. Why could we have just repeated a year? That is a question that I will say. Why could we not have? If we want to end, we have to look at the bigger picture. You know, we want the virus gone. We want this pandemic to end. So people who are rightly saying, on one hand, you know, schools need to be closed. Yes, if we've done it properly once. Because, as I said to you, the digital digital inequalities that are out there, there are kids who have no access to internet yeah. or laptops. Um, I'm a volunteer for our local refugee forum, um, and this is refugees who have been granted stay and everything. And they don't have any... There, there is nothing for a large amount of families that we have. So, again, we are getting such disparities. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, until I started this podcast, I didn't realise how bad the the inequalities were. I mean, when obviously you hear the stories of like children only having access to one hot meal and that is at school, or when you hear about so many kids that don't have access to Wi-Fi at home, and then you talk about kind of putting them in an exam setting compared to people with with all of those accessible items, you know? Uh, I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's completely unfair, and obviously all you're doing is, is creating this gap between the disadvantage and the advantage, and it's, it's widening the gap. I mean, the gap's always been there, hasn't it? I think the, the other thing that's really important to consider as well is, like I always said, I was very fortunate. I had a good school uh, education schooling, which, you know, uh, I, I, although I felt that I was always having to, I didn't, everyone else was getting A's and I wasn't quite there. But I attribute the fact that I had really good teachers and they kept at it and they kept supporting me that I am where I am now. Otherwise, I just think, you know, if I hadn't had that one-to-one support and I hadn't had the tuition. But then we also have to look at the same, the other aspect of it is that constant um, comparison that we're doing. You know, we just constantly saying, oh, you know, the free school kid meals, or oh, you know, the more affluent. I mean, this is doing nothing for actually integrating people together as well. You are going to feel so much more conscious. You know, that is going to make your anxiety so much worse as well. The way the conversation needs to go, and there's a pledge that has been made yesterday, apparently, that airs, well, not everyone, well, it claims that everyone will have access to the internet and a device to use. Um, can, can you, sorry, just, just on that, right? I mean, they said that about laptops at the, uh, like, much earlier in the year, in, in 2020, right? And I was speaking to, I've spoken to senior leaders and um, Dave Malachi in London Enterprise Academy said that they needed 200 laptops and they got 11, right? And, and I spoke to somebody yesterday, they said they needed 600 laptops, they got 14. Like, and then it was, you, you've got parents on the phone trying to find out when they're going to get this laptop, but like they, they haven't received them, you know? And so, I mean, these are all these well, It's one of those things, if you try and take the whole, globally, if you're trying to put everybody onto a, you know, online learning pathway, there was never going to be enough uh, things, uh, enough laptops, you know, anyway, there was a complete shortage. Um, I mean, I remember seeing around September time when university students were going back, uh, they were saying, you know, there are no laptops, there are no laptops. So, right, they'll go on to iPads, they'll go on to whatever. Absolutely. Uh, It's, again, um, I, I... done i've got quite a bit of experience of doing online uh, teaching through zoom um but i've and i detest it i completely detest it because it's that you know the interpersonal thing that you want with your students and everything i can't speak to what experiences colleagues in the main schools would have had and again that's majority of staff and teachers how they've had to do it uh but at the same time like as like, like we're saying this is they've said this promise now if you can do this then fair enough let's do that because we're stopping well I mean when you go into a school there's bubbles that's what it is if your best friend is in another class you're not going to get to see them you're not going to spend great times with them Hmm. and that is you know it's not easy so we need the virus to go and we need to be proactive I'm always very solution focused you know I, I believe that in terms of teaching we need that culture if we have the right culture we'll get the right climate and so, it, you know, rather than constantly being pessimistic as well and negative, I, I do believe we identify something's not going well. Okay, we get it. That's absolutely fine. What can we do to improve it? Because otherwise, you know, professionally speaking, if you it creates such a negative environment that it's not going to help anybody really, is it, achieve our goals or get yeah. to where we want to. 
Absolutely. I agree. I mean, you're absolutely right. But at the same time, I think it's very important to address the issues because ultimately teachers have been so adaptable, so creative, so innovative in the way that they've had to kind of teach their kids and do the best for their kids this year. And it's it's absolutely bang on. You're right. I mean, it's about kind of looking positively and and thinking, what can we do to improve? And ultimately, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing right now is we're having this conversation and thinking about what we can do to improve because I genuinely feel where we are at the moment i mean as much as educators are doing the best for their kids not not that they can do more but we as a as a nation can definitely do more to make sure that those inequalities aren't going to be something that we're taking into the future we're, we're, we're reducing that gap opposed to widening it and in a way that we're not putting teachers well-being at risk we're not putting their mental health at risk and we're actually trying to do it in a way that we work collaboratively and move education forward as a whole opposed to just like one school at a time you know Absolutely, it's promoting conversation in a positive way. So over over the summer last year, you know, we had the whole Black Lives Matter movements and all those things. Like that. And I've, I mean, as a teacher myself, I firmly believe I've said to you, you know, we need to, um, we need to, we need to constantly be thinking of new ways to do so. How can we improve our techniques and what we're doing? So I tried to attend as many webinars as I could online because I thought this is a fantastic opportunity to actually gather, yeah. yeah, meet people from different areas. I'm very much in. Outer, I know what it's like. I used to live in London and I always laughed at if Londoners will not cross the M25, they don't know what's going on in the rest of the you know England and things like that. So it's fantastic to be able to communicate with so many people. Um, you know, definitely through LinkedIn has been absolutely fabulous. I mean, oh, Phil, yeah, one who's put in contact with you, and you just yeah. you get the it's all about the collaborating again. It's the com- it's the communication, it's being listen, guys. How can we all work at this together? Yeah. And there's so many things that we can really bring and we need this overhaul in the edge in the education system now it needs to happen absolutely i mean the world is small now i mean and what i mean by that is there's so much technology that we can literally have a conversation miles away and we can kind of find that a little bit about each other right why are we not doing that in education why are we not looking at places like japan finland china see what they're what they're doing over there and even if we don't want to bring the whole bloody model over to the uk why can't we take nuggets you know and collaborate education for me and, and this is like, I mean, I left school thinking, well, I didn't really get anything out of it. I mean, what, why, what am I going to really do to relate it to, to the career I want to go into? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went, I went uni because my mum and dad wanted me to go. And then like, I thought everyone at school was going, all my mates are going. I mean, it's the right thing to do. It's not though, is it? I mean, we're not preparing kids for life with that mentality. And, and I think this, this, I mean, you get into education to give children a better chance like to, to give them an opportunity. And it's, it's teachers like you that are kind of working with kids that are most vulnerable and those ones that need it the most that are kind of making that difference. But you see it like day in, day out in terms of how much they're suffering. I mean, like for somebody that's been on the front line with these type of kids, what, what do you think really needs to change in education for us to move it forward for these kids? For me, I'll, I'll be honest. For me, I've always said I don't look at my students any different to students in mainstream and things like this. I honestly... You you remember the government's white paper, which said you know uh, inclusive inclusion for all, education for all. The whole concept was you know in academies that we would be able to have students who require more support embedded in you know in the same classrooms as everyone else. And again, it comes down to lack of funding. This is when they talk about people off rolling. They talk about behaviour. If there's one piece of advice I can give to anybody in education, anybody, it's if you take five minutes to sit down and speak to a student. If you can sense something's off, it will change the course of stuff completely. 
because what do you know? We, we as adults go into school and we need to park things at the door. We don't always do that, but we need to do that. What about these kids? I mean, what youth, the youth are going through right now, I'm in awe of them. They are honestly the real heroes. We can talk about who is a hero in this or the other. Because think back to when you were 11, 12 years old, how would you have coped on stuff like this? Mm. Someone who was already, I think, you know, I, I can think I was maybe slightly, I was anxious around then as well. This would have just been really scary. Yeah. Conflicting, just coming out everywhere. Adults not maybe telling you things that this this needs to be, yes, a complete collaboration. And I think the whole courses need to be reviewed as well, the teaching courses. Um, I mean, I look back and reflect, and I have mentored quite a few students, um, and they're actually adults, adults who, postgraduates, you know, they've done other, I had an ex-police commissioner once. That was fantastic. <laughs> you know, and he, his job had finished, and so I trained him. And it was great learning new things from them, bringing them into the actual classroom. Because the reality is, if I hadn't done other careers before, other jobs before I came into teaching, it would have been very easy to say, yeah, I'm leaving teaching too many hours, too many other. But it makes you realise this is life, actually, hard work. This is the way we need to do it. Um, but it's because, like you said, we just don't communicate. There are not those forums. I know people love going to conferences face-to-face. But I think one of the great things that's come out of COVID is the online, like I said to you, again, webinars, the opportunities to reach and speak to people in different countries, find out what they're doing in different schools. I've been doing that with my nieces and nephews, trying to find out, you know, what's happening in Singapore, what's happening in different places, what their classrooms look like, see is there anything to bring into it, my own classroom as well. Absolutely. Let's just quickly just um, kind of touch on on uh, teacher well-being because I know you're quite um, passionate about that. And and I think obviously with recruitment retention being such an issue in the UK, what what I mean, what why do you think the biggest what do you think the biggest reason is for teachers leaving within the first five years of teaching? What can we kind of do to make sure that that, that doesn't happen going forward? I think a lot of it is you know what I mean when you say first five years, it makes me shuffle to be fair because I feel that I've known most teachers leave in the first two three years actually <laughs> you know, like you know I say to you about a marriage they're like give it the first two three years you'll be all right no this is this is always changing I think so when you first go in teaching at the moment I mean you reflect back I don't know what whether it was same for you at school I look at my teachers who my sister had as well and my other sister had it, you know they were there for a long time and it's like anything it's the support you give them it's um there was it's that, remember when I said to you, it's the culture. It's the culture that's there, which creates the climate. And NQTs, when they come in, I've heard qualified teachers, you know, been there for a while, they'll be like, oh, you these NQTs, what do they know? But I, I'm sorry, they work hard. They really work hard. Um, and they want to do well. They want to support you. And it's that whole progression that you will always be offered. I notice it in all the schools at the moment. But we need to address a lot of things to do with, um, I will say definitely, uh, inequalities when it comes to ethnicities as well. I mean, the statements that I was reading online a while back was the South Asian community makes such a small percentage of teachers and forget seeing the leads. I, I personally know one or two, but still. Was that, the article, so, was that the article from the Institute of Education? I think so. It was the, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I'm blanking right now. It's the, was it the McGregor Smith report? Have you read that one? I don't think so. I mean, if it's part of the Institute of Education, I mean, they're, they're talking about how low the percentage of BAME teachers within the education profession are. And it, it's remarkable, is it? 
there's this this is multifactorial at the end of the day there was there's always going to be um you know some form of prejudices whether it comes to culture religion faith um whether your uh, orient sexual orientation things like that this is you know we can't ignore the uh, in the corner it is there that definitely happens but the other thing is it's i think it's a lot to do with appreciation if you i mean like i said to you my line manager is she's amazing she appreciates and respects the different experiences people have had what they can bring to the table they'll give you the opportunity to share those things as well um and i mean i've i've also been a governor which you've seen um most of saw my stuff as well i've been a governor for a trust for several years and when i went into that into their special school i only really ended up staying there a year and i felt very hard done by it because it was a case of i'd given all this time so i could be a better teacher you know better educator but there's a very they like to keep things separate you know what's happening in school separate to what people know is going on school and I am obviously you know we've got to be very professional about how we speak about things and how we say things but if you do not if you don't uh if the system doesn't change to acknowledge the strengths of those staff who are staying there um, if the government doesn't really reconsider the whole pay packages, I mean, I'll, I'll leave you on this. I'll give you this as a summary. When I was working as a science lead, I was earning less than a qualified teacher. And that was about four, five, four years, four years into my teaching profession. And when I asked, they were like, well, the pay scales haven't been set up. This hasn't been done. And I said, really? You know, and, and, it, and I love my role. I love the people I work with. I have a fantastic team around me. and But at the end of the day, you know, I need to be able to create a life for myself as well. And that, that's when people start feeling disheartened. They think, well, we're not worth anything. And the thing is, education is, uh, when you're a teacher, it's a very, very giving profession. Do you know what I mean? You give a lot of yourself, like, especially, uh, look, I mean, look, you obviously got a family, right? So you go into school, you're giving all everything to your kids. You want the best for them. Then you go home and you give to your family. You, do you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, where do you give your time to yourself? And it's such an important thing. Like, you need to get to give time to yourself. Go exercise, go for walks, go for like a jog in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Like those things, meditate, I don't know, whatever you do, but it's things that are going to keep you happy and keep you sane. And I think that's something that needs to be embedded into the BBC. It's your well-being and it's about being appreciated. It's, yeah. you know, when you go into the training, it's so different. I mean, if you look out and you get some great mentors in the schools and that, that's absolutely fabulous. I've always said um, one thing I will say to, you know, to teachers who are starting in their professions and everything. Yeah, reach out, you know, definitely reach out to other staff. We should all work, again, collaboratively, support. Yeah. Don't be like, oh, I made this seven years ago. I'm not giving them to you. We don't do that. We do really try. We are a community. You know, we, we have to. And it's like anything. It's never going to be perfect. But that little levels of appreciation, I heard, this was a couple of years back, and I don't know where this was, but I'm sure you'll be able to find out that there was a school that had come out of special measures, and for a whole year, the head teacher made it so that they he paid the um, parking for all the staff members for the whole year. Little things like that make such a difference. Yeah, you know, we do this for money. We definitely, we definitely. Yeah. If you're in teaching, doing it for money, then I don't know. I don't know what your role is, but uh, we don't do it we definitely because that statement that you know be the adult that you needed when you were growing up yeah. that echoes so much in educators 
but uh, like I said to you, it's just about conversation. Yes, we can vent our frustrations and say, this isn't happening, that's not happening, but what's the next steps? Yeah. You know, where, and I'm hoping from what you are now doing, that this will give a platform for that conversation. You'll see a lot of things about scrutiny boards. We've started these scrutiny boards. We're doing this, we're doing that. But are the people who need to be on those boards on the boards? Are those in the classroom? In the classroom? yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it, what it needs to happen is we need to give more autonomy to teachers. We need to put more trust in the profession and, and give it the, the respect it deserves because you guys are going above and beyond, not just not just teachers, though. And I think you mentioned it just before we started recording, but it's just, it's all school stuff. It's the, it's the TAs, it's the HR, it's the um, coordinators, it's the SENTAs. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's so much that schools are doing. And th- those those ones in particular are getting paid like 10, 15 grand a year. You know, like, I mean, and they're they are, they are through here. I will, I've said this at the start and I will say again, I'm interrupting you, but they are the true heroes. I could not do my role without my team, whether it's my teaching assistants, whether it's the moving and handling team, whether it's the, you know, the cleaners, the, the site staff. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, any advice I'd have for teachers is we've always told, make best friends with the site staff, repo graphics, with the kitchen staff. You know, if you're running late and you're feeling really poorly, they will be like, take this food, we'll sort it all out later. You know, these yeah. are the... This, this is the whole point. We can't, as teachers, we won't we won't ever stand and say, it's all about us. And when you start putting those gaps in and, you know, when you try to separate everything and you try to create levels, then that's where information doesn't get fed. We all need to work together collaboratively. And more than anything right now, the admin, the site staff, they are the ones that are keeping these schools open and safe for us to be able to go in there. Absolutely. And just to kind of sum it up then, I mean, like if we had to kind of put the, take the nuts and bolts off in some respects, what do you think we need to do to make sure that we move education forward to make it more accessible for, for all and also make sure that we're kind of keeping retention levels high and keeping teachers within the profession? We definitely need to change the culture in a lot of places. You know, we definitely need to change the narrative, uh, like you said. And a lot of that, I, I am... I am very dubious on this whole mass academization. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Um, but for me, what I can see at the moment is the government has pretty much said, right, academies, you do what you want to do. But when it comes things down to the pandemics and that, they kind of jump in and want to do what they're doing. So we need to really, first of all, I believe that our class sizes need to be smaller. We have so many new buildings being built and we need them to be built with consultation with staff so that you know what you need. You know, do you really need a fancy curved shape, uh, you know, bar at the front or what do you need? Those kind of little things. Communicate with uh, teachers, with staff. Um, We need the support of, you know, the middle leaders, senior leaders. And there are some fantastic middle leaders and senior leaders out there doing this. And and we just need to, uh, it's that, it seems to be, you know, us versus what's going on somewhere else. But Quite frankly, it comes back to the whole money. It comes back to why is education being run potentially by non-educators as well? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel quite strongly about that. When you look at like Dubai, they're, they're run by a ministry of education that is full of a team of educators that collaborate with the school to see what's best for them. I mean, it's it's a, it's it's just common sense, isn't it? I mean, like for somebody that's absolutely. Outside- 
situation. I just don't see why, like it's like the way it is. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not in, I'm not a teacher. I'm not in a school. I'm not a head teacher. But I can still see the obvious, you know. And it's just it just blows my mind because Gavin Williamson, Jesus Christ, he came into power last year and he's done nothing. I mean, I've seen him not. I've seen him twice the whole year during the pandemic. I mean, where have you been, Gavin? And and it's like you know, like he's not collaborating with schools. He's not listening. And Jesus Christ, he nearly sued schools in Greenwich just because they wanted to close down. Because- oh, that was fantastic, wasn't it? Last week, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you've got people telling you, listen, this is something dangerous here is going on. And then two days later, you're saying, well, actually, we all need to shut down. It's all about communication. Yeah. It's all about, um, I don't believe in this whole austerity and, and also the whole, you know, I am more senior to somebody else. I mean, I can easily go into a classroom and be like, I'm a class teacher you are my TA and this, but that doesn't work because we need to all support each other together. And one thing I'll say, teaching definitely makes you, it makes you very patient, very patient because I can see your passion, frustration. That's great. That's what we feel inside. You yeah, know? I mean, the thing is I've got, um, obviously I speak, I've spoken to so many people in the last eight weeks on my podcast and I feel it. I mean, I feel the frustrations and quite frankly, like if we can start having these conversations now and it might take 10 to 15 years, but if we can start now, at least we can, like, by the time it, it, we are in 10, 15 years' time, we can hopefully leave a better future for us, for the future generation, you know? I want my grandchildren to be proud of what we've been able to achieve in the last, like, in, in the next 10 to 15 years, you know? And well, if it, I- It's worrying. It's worrying, like, what education is. Honestly, it's so worrying because I felt, for, you know, we are basically churning out. Just We're just trying to get the kids through, get them out. And what are we going to end up in about next five, 10 years? You know, are we going to end up with the whole... Um, a generation or a population of people who didn't get the chances that they should have had, yeah. you know, didn't, it was all because of technicalities. Uh, again, I'm very much that the year should have been repeated this year. And I'm pretty sure we should have asked students. We should have asked families. We should have put it down there because it's their lives. You know, like, I mean, if you look at a private company, sorry, this is the last thing I'll say, but if you look at private companies, they will do market research on their target audience before they start putting out a product, right? I mean, and I know it's very different, but why are we not doing market research? I mean, the beautiful thing about Finland is that they do um, surveys with their students every year to make sure, like, to see where they are in terms of well-being. That is so crucial. I mean, what's the point of a successful career if you're going to be bloody upset the whole time? You know, like let's let's make sure we're preparing these kids to be happy, to be conscientious, to be like to have grit, to have some self confidence, to have self happiness, like be able to like understand work life balance, to be able to be content with themselves. I've got a nephew that comes back every day, and he's he's stressing that he's got to revise eight hours a day. Jesus Christ, you're 15 years old. Chill out, go for a bike. <laughs> Many kids, you know, I mean, like this is just from family friends that I've seen as well. The kids have just been who are absolutely fantastic. They never say anything, bless them, you know, and they're really confident and it shattered their confidence this year has. And I'm constantly saying to them, we are with you. Please do not worry because they've seen what's happened last year. But it's always one thing. It always comes down to, I said, um, there was one of the, the MP, Nikki uh, Morgan. Yeah. Morgan? Yeah, I was at an event a couple of years back and she was talking about how we need to include, uh, you know, the whole idea of inclusion, diversity in our classrooms, having those conversations and that will start rolling out, changing with. So when I said to her, when I asked her, well, why have we taken RE off the national curriculum and things like that? And uh, her answer was a very typical, well, there's not always time for everything, is there? And that's the whole point. They know the answers. They know what they're doing. Um, you've effectively, if you're going to hand education to non-educators, 
then why do we even as teachers need you know qualifications in schools yeah i mean this is what this is again where the unions need to step up and the chartered of college the, yeah the chartered college of teaching needs to step up and they, they need to collaborate and say look ultimately we might have our differences but let's come to a common ground and let's say to the government no more like we are going to do it this way we know what's best for our schools let's move them forward and I have to say, uh, any of you have been absolutely fantastic. They need a merchant because I've only just recently joined with them. Um, I used to be with them before. And they, as soon as anything comes out, we get weekly updates, we get weekly support. And I just think it's really important for people who are there battling for us, you know, on the front lines to know that we really appreciate it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie, well done. I mean, you've obviously given us a lot of feedback and it's, it's important for us to hear your story and, and what's going on on the front line, you know, like on a daily basis. So thank you for coming on and sharing your views. And hopefully with enough of these conversations, we'll, we'll make a difference. Thank you very much. And uh, let's hope 2021 is a, a better year and we can start seeing some changes. Absolutely. And just to, like, well, let's not forget about the things that we've learned from this year, though, because I think it's very important. Like, I mean, I've seen humanity at its best. I've seen kindness at its best. And I've seen so much like care given that we haven't really seen before. You know, so let's hopefully when, when we do get to the new normal, we can bring this level of kindness and empathy with us, you know. But thank you so much, Rabia. Guys, everyone that's watching, thank you for watching and uh, see you in the next episode. Thanks again for listening and thank you um, for all the guests that do come on to the teacher's point of view. Just to um, just to reiterate, we are trying to globalise education here. Um, teacher Roo is a fantastic app in which we are able to potentially do that in the near future. So please jump on the app and, and obviously join the teacher's point of view uh, group to continue the conversation. Thank you.